You're listening to this week's message from Freedom Church. For more info on Freedom, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Pastor Jason here. I just want to say thank you so much for listening today. Didn't want to let you know about one little issue we had with our stream this week. Uh, it seems the channel didn't get muted, so uh, you're going to hear the preaching, but you're also going to get to hear a nice pad behind that. So sorry about that. hope it's not too annoying for you. We'll get it fixed next week. I hope you enjoy the message. I pray God speaks to you. We've been in a series. Uh, this is the second week now called Father. And the reason we're having this series is because in my conversations with people over the last couple of months, I've noticed that the idea of God as Father has been kind of an issue. It's been an issue in that most people have a hard time seeing God as father. And, and it's partially because maybe you had a bad dad. Bad dads happen all the time. Um, maybe your dad was, was not connected and, and engaged in your family. Maybe he was gone like you didn't even know him, whatever. Maybe you had a dad that was there, but he was disconnected and disengaged. And so you always felt at a distance because while he was in the house, he wasn't really there. You know what I mean? Maybe you had a dad that was abusive or that showed you attention in a way that was negative and brought about negative things in your life. Maybe you had the best dad on earth, period, wherever you are in that mix. I want you to know something, that God the Father, like we talked about last week, is not a copy of your earthly father. He's not just some blown up better version of your earthly father, that he is exponentially better than your earthly dad ever could even possibly think about. And that while you might have, you know, you having a good dad is a great thing, it just helps you see God for who he really is. And so um, I, I, as I was thinking about what God wanted to say this week, um, a, a thought came to my mind, and, and it was, what does the Father do? What does God the Father do? Anybody ever thought that? Like, well, I mean, you got this trinity, right? You got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And, and in my mind, just the human mind, I'm thinking they have different roles. You know what I'm saying? And so my first thought was, okay, we know what Jesus does, right? Eight pounds, seven ounce little baby Jesus. Right? Come on. You know, that's the one I like to pray to. You know, like, what? <laughs> I mean, that's funny. It's hilarious. I mean, I don't know if I've ever thought about praying to eight pounds, seven ounce baby Jesus until Will Farrell said it. But, uh, but we know that he came to die for our sins. Right? We, we know that he, he gave himself as that sacrifice. He rose again. He redeemed us. He saved us. He made us God's righteousness, which, by the way, if you want to take something this week and just really study it out, look into why God considers you his righteousness because of Christ Jesus. Mind-boggling. Some, some old nasty sinner down here, you know, can't even, can't even do the right thing that all of a sudden now because I said yes to Jesus... Not just that I'm righteous because of God, but that he calls me, identifies me as his righteousness. That's mind-boggling. That he intercedes for us. Do you know that Jesus is praying for you right now? We, we gathered Amber around and prayed for her in lieu of this young man, Taylor, who's experiencing these, these medical issues where it's pretty serious. But Jesus never stopped praying for him through this whole process. Jesus. And that he's coming back for us. Have you thought about that? Jesus said, I won't leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. That it's, a, it's a future situation there that we're talking about that he's actively engaged in the process of coming back. We know what the Holy Spirit does too, don't we? He's Jiminy Cricket on our shoulder that says, don't do that whenever we're going to do something wrong, all right? No, he's so much more than that. He's our advocate. He's our comforter. He's our friend. He's the power of God in us. Come on. The power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. Like that same power, you know, like come forth like that power is inside of you 
So whenever you're in front of something that you can't overcome, you see a mountain that you can't climb, or there's a, there's a valley that's so low that you don't know how you're going to get past it, the power of God inside of you gives you the authority to speak to that thing as if it were flat and easy to go through. What, what about life that you need in, in areas? Uh, maybe there's some broken relationships in your family. The power of God inside of you gives you the power to speak life into those relationships. He reminds us of the truth. He enables us to live a godly life. These are the things the Holy Spirit does. See, we got Jesus and the Holy Spirit down pat. We know exactly what they do. What's the Father do? I don't know. You know, for a long time, I saw the Father as the one that Jesus and the Holy Spirit were working for. He was the job foreman. He was the contractor. He was the supervisor. And everybody else, like he was the brains of the operation, and everybody else was just helping him do what he wanted. So Jesus was his heart, and the Holy Spirit was his hands, right? That's what I've always seen God as. I saw the Father as, as distantly maneuvering the puzzle pieces. He was always involved, but he was never near. And his involvement was always based on duty, not delight. Now, who else in here has been in a situation where you think that God is interacting with you just because he has to? Well, Jesus, you did a really good job with that saving stuff because he said yes, and now I've got all these promises I've got to start doing for him. Oh, goodness, he, gave, he tithed. Oh, i got to bless him now. My view of God was first and foremost about doing. Both my doing for him. My doing so that he would love me. Doing so that I could earn the salvation that he paid so much for. Doing so that I could, I, he would be happy with me. Come on, is that such a far stretch for all of us? How many of us have wanted somebody to like us so much and so we figure out what they like the most so that we can do that thing so they'll like us? But I also thought it was about his doing towards me. My doing was an attempt to earn love. His doing was out of obligation to fulfill his promises to me. Who he was was so blurred with what he did to the point where I could only respond to his attributes, not the person of who he was. Not him as father, but him as the doer of all the things he said he would do. So then is the father's doing defined by his attributes? Now, one of the things you need to do whenever you read the Bible is, is for one thing, don't read the Bible about you because it's not about you. It's a book about God. We just get to fit into pieces in the middle of it, right? But one of the things we need to do when we read the Bible is we get to ascertain God's nature and character based on how he interacts with people. Now, that can be tough sometimes because when you go read in the Old Testament, he was like, Oh, mighty smiter in some situations. But I think the reason God leaves those bits in is because he needs you to see how bad sin really is. He needs you to see what walking outside of a relationship with him really looks like. Jesus isn't the one that's like making the mean old God of the Old Testament nice again. God wants you to see his nature and his character. He's a redeemer. That's one of God's attributes. Creator is another one of his attributes. But here's what, what's amazing is God's attributes are really incredible. But while some of them are universal, some of them are very contingent upon your relationship with him. So let me give you an example. God is the creator to everyone. Every person on earth he created. Okay. But he's only a redeemer to those he's in relationship with. See the difference? Embracing and worshiping God's attributes before worshiping him as father would be like describing man first and foremost as a provider rather than a husband. Now think about that. Guys, I'm talking to you for just a second. Have you ever thought that you just work here at your house 
I just, <laughs> I'm not looking at, I'm going to look at the ceiling. Have you ever thought that you just work here? The only reason that woman loves me is because I bring the money in the house, you know? That's all she cares about. And, and I even question that when she goes down to the Target. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I know I'm getting real, I'm going to be real careful right here. I know some of y'all look at me like, stop right now, you stop. I ain't even never come back to this church. I'm talking about Target. But, but if you think about God's attributes, it's easy to kind of get in this mindset where we start treating God as if his attributes are the only thing that we care about. And we begin to expect God to interact with us based on his attributes, but we, we begin to, to distance ourselves from the relationship, and then we wonder why he's not doing the things he said he would do. Is it because you have stepped away from your relationship with God, and all of a sudden now the attributes that come with the relationship now no longer apply? Okay, I'm, I'm just, okay, let me put it like this. How come God ain't blessing me financially? How come he ain't blessing me financially? Okay, um, are you in covenant with God when it comes to your finances? That means, are you, are you, and look, this ain't no tithing message, but I'm telling you right now, if you want blessing in your finances, there's a prescription for that in the Bible. If you give, if you give your tithes, which the Bible commands in Malachi chapter 3, the Bible says he rebukes the devourer for your sake. Now, you also can't spend the other 90% like a moron too, guys. Come on, like, well, I gave my 10%, let's go down to the boat. No, that's not going to work, okay? It doesn't work like that. But if you're in covenant with God with your finances and you realize that everything you have is from him, I mean, God owns the 100%, not the, nine, not the 10%. You understand what I'm saying? God owns it all. So it's like if I'm in covenant relationship with him, then I can fully expect him to follow through with his promises towards me. The tires last longer. The gas, come on, Jesus, the gas lasts longer. I just need that needle ha, to go that way. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know, I'm trying to be Paula White up here. Anyway. I get God's provision because I'm in relationship with him. But what happens if I back away from that? How can I expect God to fulfill his end of the bargain if I'm not fulfilling my end of the bargain? See, relationship works like that. Try to be married to somebody who don't want to be married to you. Good luck. It's not going to work out. So back to this husband and father thing. As a husband and father, providing is not driven by a sense of duty. This is very important. Because if we can get this, we can begin to see the point of this message and really the heart of God, which is what I, I think God wants you to see today. Duty is not the driving force behind God's attributes. Let me take it a step further. Duty is not the driving force behind the Father's involvement with you. Some of you really need to hear that and embrace that. Because everything in your relationship with God is based on what you do for Him. And you sometimes wonder why you feel like such trash when you even think about God. It's because I didn't honor him this week, man. I didn't, uh, I have been a moron this week. He doesn't want anything to do with me. I'm not going to church on Sunday. I don't want to have to face him. I'm not even going to look at a Bible. In fact, I'm listening to, I'm listening to classic rock. I ain't even listening to Christian music because then I'll have to think about Jesus. I'm telling you, drive past every KSB sign, a KSBJ sign on the interstate in that situation. But that's what you do. You, you step back from behind that because you think that God's interaction with you is based on duty rather than delight. Listen to me. That's the devil talking to you. God is not involved with you because of what you have to give him or offer him. What do you have to offer the God that said, let there be light? I'll, I'll wait. I'm handsome. 
I'm really good at baseball. No, no. Like, what could I offer him? Oh, my friends like me. Here's what's, that's funny. All right, that's, that's a, we'll talk about that in a meetup. Here's what's amazing to me is that God doesn't interact with me based on duty. He interacts with me based on delight and has nothing to do with what I bring to the table. You know, my, um, I have a four-year-old daughter, Audrey, and she'll wake up early in the morning and um, I'll already be awake because the moment light comes to the window, it's like, that's it, wakey time. And um, I'll go into my office and she always comes in and she'll do the same thing every, every morning. She'll peek around the door of my office and she'll look at me and she'll go, cuckoo, like that. I don't know why she does it. She's cute. She's four. And she'll run and she'll jump into my arms in my chair and she'll take her little arms and she'll tuck them under my arms like that and just sit there and snuggle me. She has nothing to offer me. Look at she, she can't build a website. She can't write a message. It's just she loves me. And I love her. And, and those moments where, where she's just close to me and I hear her little cute coos and all that stuff. I mean, she's like a little puppy sometimes. She's just cute as she can be. Of course, and then she, you know, acts like a toddler. You want know, to throw her off the Trinity Bridge, you know. But I wouldn't do that. I'm just kidding, guys. Come on. Y'all know. Y'all people got toddlers. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But in those moments, she's so precious. She's so precious to me. I'll give you the world up to have my kingdom. You know, like you have those mindsets, those thoughts. Did, did you know you're... Your dad thinks about you like that? I don't know. I don't know. I can't see God doing that. Look harder. Look past his hand and start looking at his heart. Because that's what he does for his kids. And it's not about how handsome you are or how pretty you are or what you have to bring or what you have to offer. It has nothing to do with that. Just you. He just wants you. And can I, can I just tell you something, the flip side of that? While God wants us just because we're us, God wants us to want Him just because He's Him, not because what He can do for us. That's where we go back to this husband with the provision thing. I appreciate the provision that comes from my Father in Heaven. I said it last week. My dad has been an incredible provider. And he just retired. It's the first time I've ever man, known the man not have a job, okay? He just, well, you got a job, you got a cut hay and raise cows but you know what I mean like he's been an incredible provider but my relationship with my earthly father is not based upon his provision towards me it's not it's the Monday phone calls for a season in my life uh, after we planted the church where every Monday I always found that I was having a hard time I would always get really kind of depressed on Mondays and every every Monday my dad would call hey I'm just checking on you see I love him because of who he is, and he loves me because of who I am, not because of what we have to bring to each other's table. God does the same thing with you. It's just the truth. A duty-driven father is not an easy relationship. Their duty makes them bitter. Their provision exhausts them. Their attributes are liabilities, not assets. You ever been in a situation where you keep quiet what you know you can do because if they know you can do it, they're going to ask you to do it? Hey, listen, I know we hired you to be the electrician, but I'm going to need you to go dig this ditch. I don't know how to work a shovel. <laughs> I, think, uh, I don't know. 
<laughs> to a duty-driven father, though, you as the son and daughter are not a delight, but you're just a duty. This was the father for me for so long. I was a burden to him, not a blessing to him. But why is that? It's because the only view of God the Father that I had was through the lens of what he did for me, not how he felt about me. It made my relationship with him distant and cold, and it was always just business. I knew what Jesus did and that I needed a relationship with Jesus, so you know what? I went and got one. And I knew what the Holy Spirit did, so I invited the Holy Spirit in. But I always thought Jesus and the Holy Spirit were just helping me enough to keep me in the family without rocking the boat too much. You see, if I didn't rock the boat, it meant that I was flying under God the Father's radar. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation in your life where you know you kept quiet when you were at home because if you disturbed Dad, he was going to bust on you. That's how so many people in life right now see God. I'm just going to keep my nose clean. Peter, get back in the boat. Like, you know, like... Calm down. If we're quiet, if there's no ruffles, if, if nobody knows what I'm really going through, then I won't have to rock the boat. That's how most people see their relationship with God. Men, how would you feel if your kids and your spouse interacted with you like that? You'd be bitter. You'd be frustrated. You'd be angry. But you know what else? You'd be misunderstood. You'd feel that at your core. You'd feel misunderstood. This is the reason for this message today. We need a better understanding of what the Father does, but more importantly, why He does it. Now, we can't talk about the Father without talking about His attributes, like provider and creator and healer and redeemer. and all that. He is all those things. I remember growing up, we had a, a plaque on our wall. It was like this, I don't know, it wasn't even a photo. It was like a plaque. It had some metal on it and all that. And it was all the Jehovah names of God, you know, like Jehovah Rophe, Jehovah Imkadesh, Jehovah Sidkenu, um, Jehovah Shalom, uh, Jehovah... Uh, uh, Jehovah Saboeth, the Lord of hosts, I always liked that one. Um, the, all these different names. And while I could see that, he, the sign was all about this is who God is, but Jason perceived it as this is what God does. This is what he does. But I'm, I'm not, I don't think God wants us to focus on that today. And I'm not devaluing those things, but I am saying I think God wants you to see through all of that into his heart today more than anything. Not just what he does, but who he is. And so this is an invitation to see all that. So we're going to do that by looking through Psalm 103. Um, we're going to discover God's core nature through his attributes here in Psalm 103. If you haven't read Psalm 103, like put it at the top of your list. Like, go home today and do that. It's really incredible. Um, it says this, starting, uh, we're going to kind of go line by line for a second. But starting in verse 1, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Now, before we go any further, it says, Bless the Lord. Now, when you say the word Lord, who do you think of? Jesus. There you go. We all think of Jesus because he's king of kings and Lord of lords, right? He is the Lord. Um, but it's interesting. I, 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 as I thought through, well, if this psalm is about Jesus, then kind of not really working for the message. You know what I'm saying? Because we're talking about the Father. We know what Jesus does. We know what the Holy Spirit does. What does the Father do? Well, go back and look at that word. And the word is Yahweh. Y'all heard that one before, right? Yahweh. Um, it was the original name of the God of Israel. It means to be or he who brings being into being. We commonly refer to that as I am. Well, what's that mean? It means he has no beginning and no end. 
He's the ultimate reality. He's both completely independent, yet everything is dependent upon Him. He can't be improved upon. He sets the standard. He's always right. Literally nothing compares to Him. So why am I making this distinction so much today? Why am I bothered so much about the word Lord? It's this. It's because God wants you to see that His being is what defines Him, not His doing. So we bless the Lord. We bless Yahweh. This is the Father we're talking about. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. By the way, if we read a passage and you need that thing, just take a moment right now under your breath and say, Lord, I receive that right now into myself. If you need healing, he heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Did anybody hear that? Did anybody hear that? Okay, east to the west. How far is the east from the west? It's never ending. It never, it, you can't, the east can't touch the west. Okay, that's a, so what did you do this week? <laughs> Tell me your transgressions this week. We'll go real Catholic today. No, okay, good, because I don't want to hear it. Right? That's when you and Jesus. But however far that is, is how far he's flung those transgressions. So why are you so scared to talk to him? All right, I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on. As far as the Father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. See, this entire section is about his attributes. It's about the things he does. As to the beginning, what does the Father do? Well, he, he benefits his beloved. You ever, you ever get a job and they give you a benefits package? Like health and all that stuff. We're going to give you $1,000 a day for your car. Yes, we need it because gas is $18 million a gallon. These things, the, the benefit is just like a, it's a received advantage. Everything that we just read are the advantages. They're the benefits package when you, fall, when you say yes to Jesus. That's what we're dealing with here. He forgives, he redeems, he crowns you. He satisfies you. He works righteousness in you. He's merciful and gracious. He abounds in love. He's slow to get angry. He doesn't stay there long. He removes our transgression. He's compassionate. This is what the Father does. We, we can't get so lost in His ruling and His power and His might that we neglect the benefits that He pours out to those He loves. But there's even more. For He knows our frame. He remembers that we're dust. As for man, His days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it and it's gone. Its place knows it no more. Here's why I love this verse. It's because it reminds me that no matter how hard I try to be good enough or worthy of Him, He sees past the facade of who I am and knows the person that I really am. So, I know that you're at church and I know you're doing your best to be real, but odds are somebody came in here wearing a mask. You, you wanted us to to think that you are okay and it's not because you're trying to deceive or manipulate it's because you really don't want people to know what's going on inside I hear you fam but can I tell you something 
God already knows who you are behind the curtain. He knows you're just a short little old guy pulling the levers, not the great power of Oz. He knows everything. Don't be afraid to go to him. Why? It's this. The steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. This is what God does for us. What God does for us. This is what the Father does for us. So here's where I'd like to, to end today. And I've been praying about this message and I really believe again that God wants you to see his heart. Um, he wants you to see why he provides and why he redeems. But I know that there may be some of you in here, you see personalities that you hadn't heard a point yet. And if you don't have three points, you're going to blow up. Okay, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you three quick points. They're going to help you actually walk this out and process this even more. The first one is simply this. Your father loves you. Your father loves you. Uh, I know you know that. But hear it again. Your father loves you. Okay? Not like your father loved you, exponentially better. It's not love contingent upon your actions or even your reciprocation. Did you know that God loves you whether you reciprocate that love or not? He loves you no matter what you did this week. He loves you because He made you. He loves you because it isn't just what He does, it's because of who He is. Nothing can separate you from His love. Did you know that? Romans 8, 38-39. For I'm sure that neither life nor death, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hey, let me add one more thing to that list. Not even what you've done can separate you. There's an important distinction to be made right there at the end. It says the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that weird to say? Love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why not, why not just say the love of Jesus Christ our Lord? I think it's essential that you understand it's because God wants you to know we're talking about the Father too. Your father loves you. Number two, your father is not disappointed with you. Somebody, you need to hear it. He's not disappointed with you. Yeah, but I'm a disappointment. Not to him. You may say that about yourself, but that's not what your father in heaven says about you. God is not okay with our sin, but he doesn't deal with us according to our sin. We just read Psalm 103.10. When we see the father as disappointed, it creates separation and it breeds condemnation. Let me ask you one question. He loves you at your worst. Why is that going to change now? Lastly, your father is glad you're in the family. Come on, church. He's glad. God didn't invite you to his list of responsibilities. He invited you to his family. I'm going to say it again. He didn't invite you to a list of stuff that he's got to take care of today. You're a part of his family. He wants you. He's excited about you. He's pumped that you're in the family. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 says this. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so uh, clings close so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, right here, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. You want to know what that joy is? You and the family. That's it. Last verse is this, Psalm 139, 17 through 18. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. 
how vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. Some of you right now, if you were to ask, if, if I were to ask you to say one thing that was good that your father said about you, you couldn't think of one thing. So the idea that your father thinks so many thoughts towards you that it's more numerous than the sand is mind-boggling to you. You believe he saved you. Will you believe this too? You believe him for eternity. Will you, will you believe this too? When, when somebody's sick in your family, you're praying that God will heal them. If you believe that he will, would you, will you believe that he loves you that much too? That right now, the thought that you think God is thinking about you, oh, here we go again. No, he's thinking great thoughts. He's thinking loving thoughts. He's thinking, I, I love that they're leaning in today. You know, every time Audrey comes and jumps in my arms in the morning, I don't treat her based on what she did the day before. I don't. And y'all, Audrey can be tough sometimes, y'all. That third kid don't care. You hear what I'm saying? All you third kid parents, y'all know what I'm talking about. She's my kid. I'm going to tell you right now, if she comes to jump in my arms to love on me, I'll stop everything I'm doing and love on her. You need to know that your heavenly father feels the same way about you. So here's what I want you to do. Will you just bow your head for just a moment? I'll just ask you to do that so you can focus on the Lord. Maybe you've never had a father that was committed to you. He never championed you. He never had compassion on you. He never carried you through pain. He caused it. You never had a father that loved you. But in the heavenly father, you do. And, and all this starts with you receiving Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the father except through him. So if you want the father that we're talk, we've been talking about today to be active in your life, it starts with your confession of Jesus Christ as Lord. And it's not hard. And, and if you feel anything inside of you right now that says, I need, to, I need to give my life to Jesus, or I've been so dumb, I need to give my life back to Jesus. I need to get my life with him. I need to get my life straight with him. It's not hard. It's simple, simple as this. Just say this to yourself. Jesus, I confess you as Lord. I believe in you. Save me. In fact, I'm just going to do that in myself right now. Jesus, you're a Lord today. I, I, I might have done something dumb yesterday, but to, to Jesus, right now in this moment, I make you Lord of my life. I give you everything. I believe in you, Jesus. Confess you as Lord. I'm telling you, church, if you mean it, God means it. And whether you're sitting in here or you're watching online, if you prayed that prayer, God believes it, and He, he believes in you, and you're saved. This is what Jesus is giving us. We give Jesus everything, and Jesus gives us everything. He gives us His salvation, His redemption, His kingdom, His, even His dad. He shares his dad. He gives, your, gives you his family. And you're a part of it now. So God, I pray today that you would open our eyes right now to the depths of your love. Father, that you would help us understand the dimensions of your love in our lives. That whatever's going on inside of us that's made us separate from that love or separate from seeing you for who you really are, your heart, not just your hand, God, I pray that you would help us. Help us not get so locked into what you're doing that we miss 
the opportunity to embrace who you are. And as I was praying this week, I believe that there is specifically people today that need help with how you see your father, with how you see the heavenly father. And it's because of situations with your earthly father. Maybe it was situations with your earthly mother, but a, 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 your authority in your life, you have a hard time seeing God as father because of that. I want you to know that after we pray here in a second, we're going to have a prayer team come out over to the left side of the platform. And as we're praying, you can even come as soon as you want to if you need prayer about that. God wants to set you free from that. He wants you to see him for who he really is today. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives. We thank you that you give us the opportunity to even be a part of your family. Thank you, God. Thank you that no matter what our earthly father was like, that, God, we can count on you, we can trust you. Thank you for your thoughts towards us. Come on, church, just thank him. Thank you for being a good father. We praise you for it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. At Freedom, we want to help you have authentic relationships with God and his people, to have real experiences with the Holy Spirit, and to find lasting freedom. If the Holy Spirit speaks to you through this message, or if you want to make a decision for Jesus, please reach out at freedomdl.com connect. For more info on Freedom, including service times and location, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening.